0: So you're saying to yourself, yo, sir, dude, I wanted to see Kevin Smith in Halifax, Nova Scotia, but the motherfucker sold out. Well, after I shed a tear for you, I highly recommend bookmarking csmod.com. That's the place on the worldwide interwebs to see all upcoming Smodco shows updated with linky links to ticky tickets. Say it with me, baby. csmod.com. Nice. Ooh, I just got a little hard there. So, you're saying, yo, sir, dude, I love sir, and I want to show the world. Wear your sir, love, with our official t-shirts, biatch. Fishies have no eyes. Let us fuck. Jay and Silent Bob get old. The Me. There's also posters, action figures. There's so many to choose from. Grab your smirch at smodcast.com. Scroll down and click on merchandise.
1: Team Jack, episode 24. Don't have a title. If you make it to the end. You'll make it to that shit show. um, This week, Matt Cohen. Yep. Back from Vegas. Back from the snowy mountains around Vegas. And the snowy mountains
2: around L.A. Uh, 50 miles out. Fucking snow everywhere for like yeah. a good 15 miles. I've never it seen it awesome before.
1: It's it's been a uh, dry, not white season.
2: I've never seen a snowy desert before. It was pretty cool. Wow.
1: Yeah. And you got a massage. And I got a massage. French release. It's
2: gonna be back. No, there was that real moment though, cause where my friends live, it's, it's near like a shitload of Asian massage parlors. Uh huh. And I even did a little preemptive Google research. I was right. like, all right, let's see, read some reviews. And then I went, all right, I'm super sore. I ran from my house, which you know where it is kind of ish, yep. right? Yep. Ran to Runyon, up Runyon, and back to my house for a total of 10 miles. So the okay. next day I was like, I need a massage. And right. there was that moment of, do I need a massage or do I need a hand job? <laughs> and i went massage let's be mature about this it's the same price it was like do i want a shitty massage and a hand job or a really good massage for,
3: for well, can't the, you get
2: a really good
1: massage at the for, for the job? listeners nah. though,
3: what, what is the magic word what's
1: for those that say ma- by the way talking never. now is one of my oldest friends uh keith clark who is uh a special guest star this week we'll it's get special. come back to keith once ma- we get this urgent question <laughs> urgently magic, answered magic
3: words in terms of what Say I had a friend of a friend that that wanted to (laughs) get get the hand drive. There's no magic, there's no words, they do it. They do it, but there's some sort of gentleman's contract, right? Some sort of, uh, no you know at the, there's the moment you just got to go to the right place you're saying
2: no yeah literally if you go you go to a certain place and during you'll get in you'll get five minutes and i've never actually had i've never gotten a happy ending
3: at a massage parlor Nor i why is he winking at us the whole time he's saying it? <laughs> <laughs> oh believe
2: me dude i would fucking i would tell you if i Keith's did born yeah, podcast yeah. Wrong no 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 <laughs> um i've never gotten uh, a hand job at a fucking massage parlor but i know the protocol from friends and, and researching it and uh Literally, they'll, just, they'll massage your back for, like, five minutes kind of shittily. They'll right, flip you right. over. They'll kind of brush your genital area. Right. And then they'll intimate, I could do more. How much are you going to tip? And that's the thing. You have to literally stop and pay them right. while you're on the table. They'll get your pants for you and pull out your wallet. Well, that's, <laughs> so that's, that's what it comes down to. Is, so they make the first move, typically. Yeah, it makes sense. You yeah, don't want yeah. to embarrass yourself.
1: Right. Exactly. <laughs> situation. So I went, I went for the How normal. much you're going to tip might be the title. Uh,
2: that I think might be the, standard, title. I think the standard tipping rate for a hand job is like $40. $40. Well, Which to me is like a freaking job. Yes. $40? It like, doesn't nothing. seem, yeah, it doesn't, seem <laughs> doesn't, doesn't seem right, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's unreasonable. <laughs>
1: yeah. Depends on how badly you really, really need it. Yeah. And I uh, guess it would just
3: be, I don't know. I think I would be too disgusted and I'd cry through it. It would be weird. You think? All right, maybe not.
1: I definitely don't think that would happen. I
2: just don't want to pay $40 for a fucking handjob. Right. <laughs> there's, so, there's so many video games and Blu-rays I need <laughs> that I could jerk off myself during. So yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, of Blu-rays, Jack, there's a segue
3: for you.
1: Keith Clark, one of my oldest friends, um, we met through a mutual friend of, of uh, ours, one of Keith's college professors who before that was one of my high school teachers. At uh, McKinley High School, Magnet School uh, for Film and Video in downtown St. Louis, 1984-85 yes. school year. That's uh, right. Joe Imagine Clark.
3: Another St. Louis
1: connection. That's right. It's another St. Louis and has been roped into uh, potting. And um, then I moved to northern New Jersey and uh, Joe moved to Webster University in, uh, what city is Webster? Richmond Webster hates? Groves? Well,
3: Webster is its own thing, yeah.
1: Okay. Um, where Keith Clarks, uh, seated opposite me, met Joe Clark, no relation. No relation. And um, what classes did you take from him? Video production or something?
3: Yeah. Video one and video two, I think they called
1: it. Yeah. And Joe thought it would be a good idea if you and I would meet, put us together, and uh, over the phone, I think, and then I met you when I came back through town. He yeah. took me uh, to a lovely meal at um, <laughs> some restaurant where they sold great white shark Cybergs or something, Cybergs. great white shark t-shirts and shark meat, right?
3: Which I don't think you would eat, and I, I was would confused never by it. that. I'm not going to eat shark. And he, I asked him why he he wouldn't eat it. and he, I think the answer was I wouldn't eat my sister. Why would I eat this?
1: Exactly because I, it is my spirit animal.
3: All right, I was gonna I was gonna ask the logic jump on that, but
1: yeah,
2: there you go. Because yeah. you like sharks so much.
1: Yeah. Although not all sharks now, and let's just say nobody's <laughs> serving great white shark meat any well, maybe, yeah, I Japanese are, but shark can't catch them. yeah, mm. um, and then Keith and I have always uh stayed close uh we roomed together in Hermosa Beach, yes after we both moved out here, and uh the third friend of ours, Den Schumann, who will be a guest on the show at some future date, perhaps, and uh Uh, Keith moved back to St. Louis, uh, married this big deal, morning drive time DJ at The Point, which was the hippity-hip St. Louis radio station, FM radio station, Mary Mary Ellen Ellen Owens, who will probably also be a guest uh, on some future date. and Then came back. What's that? Then we came back, and then you moved back LA. out here. This is all kind of boilerplate and boring, yeah, but uh, nobody cares. You got into DVD production, and you cut the
3: the gods and documentary monsters
1: on the gods and monsters DVD, the making of gods and monsters, uh, a world of gods and monsters, a journey with James Whale. A I believe the title, title is for I David Skull. My first special thanks credit, um, yeah, yeah, for David Skull, who produced it, right, and. Um, from there, it was off to the races for y- for you. And you have always... You've produced all the documentaries on all of Bill's... For all of Bill's movies. For later use in uh, publicity, marketing, and home video. Added value bonus features. Including Yeesh. the recent Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn. Parts 1 and 2. Yes. And... Um,
3: that about yeah. covers it. So I think we're Does done. that cover it? I think we're good. Yeah. Right?
1: And one of the DVDs, one of your, one of last year's other jobs um, is streeting tomorrow, Tuesday, yes. uh, which is David Fincher's The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo.
3: That's right, which I worked on with uh,
1: the DVD producer,
3: on that was David Pryor. David Pryor, who does of
1: all of Fincher's DVDs, yep. starting with Fight,
3: Fight, Club, Fight was Club was the was first. Fight Club was the first one he did. And I saw.
1: sort of redefined... That's what DVDs could be, and certainly what bonus bonus features and added value could be.
3: Absolutely, I came in on uh, Panic Room. Right. So I've worked on each each of them since
1: since Panic Room. Which are which which are Panic Room,
3: Zodiac, Love, Curious, curious Case of Benjamin Button, which I believe some have issues with. A lot of people don't like that movie. I'm lukewarm about that movie. Yeah,
2: Cohen. I never even saw it. I'm weird on uh, Fincher's one of my favorite filmmakers ever, but it's the ones I know I'm not gonna like. I just don't see. I haven't seen Social Network. I haven't seen
3: Girl with the Dragon Mm. Tattoo.
1: How do you come down on Zodiac? I like it a lot. Yeah, I do too. It's like the serial killer JFK. Love it. You should see.
3: You should see Social Network. Absolutely. If you like
2: Zodiac, I just keep hearing. I just don't know that I want to watch the Facebook movie. And I know people tell me that's a stupid thing to say. That it's really good, but it's it's just just,
3: it's just got so little really at the end of the day to do with Facebook. It's not. It's not what it's about.
1: Um, I it's just a really, too. really good movie. You didn't see it either? See it? No. Same reason? So high five. You know, dude, as we've talked about, there are movies every year that everybody goes to see, and yeah, that yeah, just yeah. wasn't one of them, you know?
3: Yeah. And Pryor and I are very, very proud of the,
1: the Blu-ray for... for social, social Network. The documentary turned out really, really nice. And, and did all of your proposed and developed uh documentary featurettes end up on that disc as opposed to the z- many many zodiac featurettes which did not end up on that disc
3: uh just about everything made it on social network there was That's good. I, I think uh it was more within pieces we uh had the whole documentary and the whole dvd release because it was timed to come out at the sp- same time that the oscars were coming up right the dvd release the blu-ray release became sort of
1: a marketing Part tool. Part of, for yeah, the it became more of a marketing campaign. tool
3: than we're used to. And, right. you know, Scott Rudin's all about the marketing. And right. so there was, a, I think, a bit more, you know, a bit more hands on, a lot more people looking at our work and right. chiming in on it than we were used to. Right. But uh, it still turned out great. So.
1: And how is the process for Dragon Tattoo?
3: Dragon was great too. With that one we did something a little bit different in that it was the first time on the Fincher titles since probably, uh, Prior had done Fight Club that we decided not to do a long form doc. So with that we just went let's do smaller pieces that are really intense and focused Uh and you know I don't know what our original plan was how much we were going to do but somehow we ended up I think creating 40 pieces. Wow. It's four hours of content of which I think 39 made it on.
1: Wow. Um,
3: And that was the
1: that's kind of the opposite of the Twilight material in that before Bill got involved and then yeah. got you involved, everything on the previous Twilight DVDs had all been sort of more short and focused, right? Had been more featurette style?
3: They, uh, not entirely. They they had tried to do longer docs, but their version of a long-form doc, I think, was like an hour-long
1: right. doc. And
3: I think Eclipse was the longest. That was like a 90-minute doc or an 80-minute doc. And right. we did something pretty much in line for that for uh, Breaking Dawn 1. We did a it's, it's a ninety minute doc, right? Um, but hopefully, you know, a little bit more maybe in depth than what they had created in the past. The it was a weird ones. job. Twilight was is was and is a weird job for me because it's so? one that I don't have total control over. It's right. very much, you know, Summit and them doing their things. And
1: would you say that you had total control over the documentaries for, oh, for Dreamgirls, Dream, Kinsey? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, total control.
3: Total control. Other uh, than other than obviously Bill's input is always, you know, first and foremost Right. that stuff. Right. Um but great do thing about Dream Girls. With Dream Girls it ended up being um Paramount releasing it and Paramount's great to work with
1: in right. that regard. They don't they don't mess with stuff. Right. It should be noted though that your experience overall with Summit was actually very good.
3: It was. In retrospect. I mean it was very tough to because they didn't want me to do it and right. They wanted their regular people to do it, and I can understand that. And Bill wanted me to do it, and not their regular people. Right. And it was we ended a painful up with the compromise, best of both worlds. but it worked out, and everything's good and because the regular,
1: all the regular people ended up involved with you. Yeah. And one thing I heard the other night when we were amongst uh the other guys who are Scott, Scott at Cimarron.
3: Yeah, Scott Murray is the other producer at Cimarron.
1: Um, was how much he enjoyed having met you through this project and. Working with you on that. So, yeah.
3: no, it's, it, it turned out well. The, That's awesome. Uh, the first doc, you know, is, is imminently watchable. I yeah. Think, and we're looking forward to some interesting stuff on the second one.
1: Yeah. Well, it's also good that everything went well on the first one, given that yeah. everybody does have to go back through it again. Yes. One more, uh, one exactly. more documentary for one more DVD release.
3: It's good. And we wrap it all up because these, you know, these bonus material docs, they're, I think they're going away. They're, you think so? Yes, they are. Well, from my perspective, they seem to be going away. Budgets have been getting cut and right. continue to be cut, and movies are doing I mean, just the releases are becoming less and less. Everybody wants to do a single disc release, so the double disc is going the way of the dodo.
1: Right, and they and don't. They do don't you need tie it that to the overall the sort of downward trend in DVD, Blu Ray, DVD sales? That the studios feel like that so-called added value is no longer of interest to the consumer. So, well, they why pay they, to provide something that's not selling through?
3: I, I think, from their perspective, it's just why spend the money on stuff that they don't feel they need. In the early days of DVD, you know, standard right. def DVD, the added value, the extra content, they felt they needed it to lure. People from VHS
1: because a number of people had already bought, for instance, ET or Star Wars or what right. have you right. on countless VHS, if not Beta, yeah. if not Laserdisc, they, if not. They really CED. needed to get
3: the consumers to switch over to what was by far a superior format. So, right. So they carried that over from Laserdisc, essentially this idea of extra content
1: and jumping over VHS, which never had yeah. any extra content. So from it ninety, looked like shit.
3: Right. So from it 90, sounded like shit. 98 up until really last year, it was, it's just gone gangbusters with.
1: Do you really tie that to 1998?
3: That's, uh, that's when I got involved with it. I mean, it's weird. I feel like I've, I was there right at the very beginning of this little niche of an industry. That's so it's, interesting. I'll yeah. see the entire sort of birth, life, and death of it. Twilight pun yeah. intended. Um, by the time, you know, It's it's over. It's it's we're just not going to have it. They don't want to spend as much money. You'll still get the big titles, the big directors, like Fincher absolutely gets. Um, you know he gets a special two disc release for his movies, right? Because do you believe that's contractual? I don't even know if it's so much contractual as it just is. You know, he says that's what he wants, and pretty much at this stage, any studio that's in business with him, they will, to a point, you know, and it depends on what the movie is, right? Yeah, how much they'll put into it but right. they do want to keep him happy right and they should interesting same thing with twilight you know twilight's more about really the the product really they do it is more about selling i think they're they're less inclined they're less inclined to make it about the director and pleasing the director they are all about
1: the fandom in this case the fandom because they know an interest uh, i'll probably be wrong on two out of three of these figures but um the interesting thing about Twilight, and these figures are not private, uh, they've issued countless press releases, but to date, I think Breaking Dawn Part 1, again, in an, in a moment now where DVD and Blu-ray are, are in a downward trend, um, I think something like six or seven million discs have been sold right. versus Transformers 3. Which was the number two domestic grocer of last year. Yeah. Um, one notch ahead of Twilight, of Breaking Dawn sold, I think, two million discs. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a big summer title like Pirates of the Caribbean 4 sold a million discs. Right. So the thing about Twilight that you gotta love is that that fandom feels absolutely compelled to own that disc, not um, you know, the downloads have also been very strong and stuff, but they, they want to own something that they can put on the shelf yeah. next to their yeah. hardcovers.
3: And they'll buy it in which multiple, is awesome. multiple versions. And why shouldn't they?
1: It's, well, get,
3: it, get everything. If you, if this is something you love. Yeah. I mean, if I was a 13 year old kid
1: again. By the way, I did the exact same thing with Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. I own like the UK box set. I own all these fucking box sets that have came with different packaging or. Right. You know, it's all of interest to me. If if it if if it goes it crosses over into obsession, yeah, then just, yeah, I want everything.
3: And just for the bonus material alone, I mean, man, if the if we'd have had access to that type of stuff, yeah, back you know at the turn of the century when we were young boys, um, uh, what? Yeah, where are you yeah. going with this? It's it's but it's just amazing. they <laughs> they've got you truly don't have to go to film school. Film school. No, not
1: anymore. No, unless you want not to with network. commentary tracks and documentaries on filmmaking, it's crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. You can learn who's the first you know some of the first that I remember that would that were actually airing on network television and now this is where it's sort of where where uh not gonna, we're certainly not transcribing and we're not transgressing we're transcending the box that we've been into this point um early documentaries or you could say documentaries I wouldn't use not clinically defined as such but Early TV specials on the making of movies—the first ones that I registered—and I'm sure there were some in the 60s and early 70s. But the first ones I registered, the very first one I registered was the making of Star Wars, yeah. which aired on network television. Yeah, it was, I remember that. You know, an hour with in, the sound including effects guy out there
3: hitting the uh, telephone pole wire. Took ben Burt. Yeah. yeah,
1: totally. And you can get that on DVD now, I think, yeah. in one form or other. It may, it may or may not be right. licensed or bootleg, but then. Even up to and including, I remember there was a, a great, at, at the time, the best documentary I ever saw on the making of a movie before the advent of documentaries made for DVD was called uh, The China the China Odyssey, The Making of Empire of the Sun, hmm. which these two guys, George Zaloum and Les Mayfield, who had a production company called ZM Productions, used to do all of this stuff for Spielberg. Right. And maybe Lucas before Spielberg ended up with his current DVD producer, Laurent Buzereau. Yes. And that was a great, great, great documentary. But again, that documentary, not, not classically a documentary, but whatever yeah. you want to call it, that aired also on network television in 1987, right. which was the year Empire of the Sun was released.
3: Yeah. And a favorite it was, of mine. But think about how it's all played out now. It's cumulative. You've seen how many more making of documentaries do you as a customer want to see, you know?
1: Yeah. How
3: many times can you watch?
1: But it depends that on how obsessed becomes. you are with that movie, right? And because do I need to see a documentary on the making of uh, um, Spider-Man Three? No, I have no, I have no obsession for that title, right? But if I was obsessed with Spider-Man, or I, or I am a Twy yeah, or I am a hardcore Star Wars nerd or Trekkie, and you know what you're selling me on on the sticker. On the shrink wrap is includes over fifteen hours of never before seen um, right. behind the scenes footage. Fuck yeah, I'd buy that.
2: See, I think I'm actually the opposite. And more like Jack than the average consumer, because like I, I won't buy discs because of lack of content. Like I don't own yeah. Drive yet, and it was my favorite film of last year, but there's nothing on that fucking disc. Right. And I, I hold out for special editions because now you believe I know.
1: on a title like Drive, they're gonna double yes, dip. Yes. Absolutely. The term is, by the way, kids, double dip. And I
2: don't. It. And I don't double dip. Yeah. So I'm very sure that if a if edition and if an edition comes out and it doesn't have enough features on it, and I
3: know that they're gonna go back to the well, I just yeah. won't buy it the first shot. The Going
2: bummer on back a movie to the like well,
1: the well great expression <laughs> <laughs>
3: the bummer on a movie like that though is even if and when they double dip it's
2: they won't have extensive
3: feature they won't have it because it's probably mostly an afterthought it's a give low me budget a commentary movie. give me something
2: you know what i mean yeah i yeah. think there was like 20 minutes of features on the disc and it's just not worth yeah. the purchase well the scary
1: memory. thing about that title in particular is that that title was released through i think graham king's company right like film district i believe so yeah so oh, the, the movie was yeah yeah so the question is sort of if 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 a movie hasn't been financed either wholly or in part by a major studio that we've all heard of, mm-hmm. Universal, Paramount, Fox, etc., or um, a mini-major like yeah. Lionsgate or Lionsgate Summit, etc., mm-hmm. where there is a marketing department, where there is a publicity department, where there are budgets to document this stuff that they know they're going to need down the line. They're going to need B-roll on the electronic press kit, also known as the EPK. If there's not, you know, given that that movie was cobbled together and made for so little money, it's sort of like in the case of Gods and Monsters, which was made by a company that no one listening to this podcast has ever heard of and made in 24 shooting days for three and a half million bucks. Were it not for the fact that David Skull, who was at the time, and remains yeah. um one of the world acknowledged world experts on cl- so-called classic horror movies yeah.
3: film historian
1: film historian but also like a, an expert on uh, Dracula absolutely um, vampire literature he shows up in all, the, yeah, all the
3: documentaries you ever see on um, you know TMC every year around Halloween he always pops up in those yeah.
1: but um, he took
3: it upon himself you're right
1: and he spent he his own money on cameras to do it. because he thought that the production of a movie on the last days of Frankenstein Bride of Frankenstein and The Invisible Man director James Whale was worth documenting and he he came with Bill's permission to set almost yeah. not every day but almost most days and shot what he could get and uh then yeah, well, owned that material outright and you came on board to uh edit it with, yeah. with and for him um but in that in that case it's like if there's if the movie is made made on a very 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 low budget by a consortium of companies, none of whom have marketing or publicity departments or budgets for same, then it's like who's who's like yeah, hanging just, out on location or on they'll set. They'll just do with the, the minimum, and they've
3: hired for a movie a like camera. Drive that shot for maybe thirty days tops.
1: Yeah, they'll have an EPK. No, crew just come do out. the EPK they'll have for an five an EPK days. Crew, which comes out for how many days? Five for a movie like that, five to ten tops. Five to ten days out of a 30-day shooting schedule. Yeah. and, and A hypothetical 30-day shooting.
3: And maybe not even that much. It's yeah. The, the best thing you can hope and for... And that's film, all like, you have. The best thing you can hope for is, like, that director, you know... I, Nicholas where,
1: Winding Refn, right? Did I get that right?
3: It's It's yeah. like he... I, I I don't know why he maybe and maybe he did.
1: He may have uh, had a cruise Has
3: a guy that does his stuff like Black Swan, another movie that was a very small budget, right? Very well documented from behind the scenes. Or
2: so, Kevin for, Kevin is is obviously good at green I mean Every every yeah, Red State, even
3: yes. Zach and Joey and Chop Chop come in and shoot the docs on everything, right? right. Yeah. As right. the director, you have to if it's a small budget movie, you have to kind of make it happen. And maybe somebody's basically doing it on spec, or yeah, maybe they because then you'll end up owning
1: it. the footage. And if the movie ends up getting picked up by yeah, a mini major or a so-called dependent division like Fox Searchlight or Focus or right. Weinstein Company or Miramax—they'll they buy that footage from you. They'll need it.
3: Yeah, they either need to license the footage from you or they need to hire yeah. you to
1: put this the stuff This is all interesting. Together. I like this. This is something that we've never really gotten into before. Uh, interesting to. Will you bring David Pryor back? Ten people. Would he come on here? Yeah, he'll come on here. That's um, good. Probably. Yeah. Be interesting. Yeah. Oh, he's—he could. He can talk movies with you yeah, for weeks on And he's on got end. a good voice, unlike you. He does have that manly voice. <laughs> I know. Keith Clark, Keith Clark has that, that that high pitch, high evil sounding, those <laughs> evil Salacious tones. Salacious crumb style That's, voice, exactly. Um, but so, I'm self conscious about it. You're, are you self? Do you feel self conscious? Not at all. It's so easy, right? right I just drop gives. down
3: an octave, and
1: and we just stare. At pretend each like, each like I'm, I'm on We're staring phone. at each other above our microphones right now. I know.
3: <laughs> it's
1: Strange. You make you make eye contact. I try not to make contact with Cohen. Really? Yeah. yeah he frightens me. <laughs> you get
2: lost in these fucking things. He's intimidating.
1: Um so here we are on Monday, the day before Dragon Tattoo Dragon Tattoo comes out on Blu ray and D V D. The day after the season finale of season two for The Walking Dead, uh if you haven't caught up with it yet on your D V R or you haven't watched the entire series from the pilot because you just haven't gotten around to it, or that box set is sitting on your desk like my Game of Thrones box set is sitting on mine. Um, you might want to jump ahead because I mm-hmm. we're going to go spoilerific here, right?
3: Yeah,
2: yeah. it's spoilerific. Yeah, fuck as it. we can go.
1: Um, Cohen's actually. Have you read all the comics?
2: Pretty close. The I'm, Walking I'm, Dead. I'm like,
1: are they yeah. comics or graphic novels? Comics, standalone monthly comics. Okay, so you've read pretty close to all of them. Yeah. Of Keith which Clark there's has like 90 read now? There's just, a lot. Yes. I mean... Yeah. Are there any offshoots or the is it just the one series? It's just just the, the one series. Okay. Keith Clark has read Kirk's no Kirk's comics. I've read I'm no. sorry.
2: It's the guy who runs the show. It's Robert Kirkman. So it's, it's right. pretty much... First season wasn't. It was more Darabon, I think. But now that Kirkman Frank took Darabont. control...
1: Right. Kirkman,
3: Glenn Mazar is the showrunner. Uh, uh, Glenn Mazar show. is yeah. still the showrunner. But
1: Kirkman's... Kirkman's way in there. Kirkman is deep in there. Kirkman is giving notes. Some
3: might say to a fault
1: some might say some might say I wouldn't know well enough I don't I've know. read none of the comics myself I've not either nor have I read the fucking wikipedia like Keith <laughs> Clark did I just of did. the comics,
3: yeah, yeah, just to just to get. A so sense he of knows
1: it. every fucking. Where's thing. this?
3: Where's this fucking thing going? Well, there's a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> I of, don't want to know. At the point that Ninja Chick shows up, it's like, okay, this is might be a deal breaker for me. What? What is no, this? No, no, Ninja Chick's awesome. Okay. The,
2: the problem is, uh it's so deviated at this point that even when they do throw something in, like Ninja Chick or Mich- Michonne or the prison, which right. is yeah. comic stuff. There's so much other just TV stuff going yeah. on that you can't read. Really we
1: don't know how it's going to work. It always still feels fresh for you.
2: Out. For anyone who's seen this season, like uh, Shane, yep, dies in issue five of the comic right. book. Carl shoots him in the throat when he
3: pulls a gun on Rick. That's that, it. Right. Shane, I knew that all from Wikipedia, Jack. I didn't have to read. 90 issues of the So
2: Shane the comic. has
1: been... So if we're talking about major... That is not our editorial position on this podcast, <laughs> not to read comics. Just right?
2: character difference-wise. <laughs> Shane has been dead this whole time. T-Dog doesn't exist. Merle and uh Daryl, the Dixon brothers, they're not in the comic book at right, all. At all. At all. They don't exist. Interesting. um Michonne is the ninja lady we just saw, but she comes in an entirely different capacity. Right. Herschel Herschel's story is different. Like... It's, it's hard. Maybe forty percent is the exact same, right? Yeah. But the rest is completely. And I think that's probably the right way to do, do TV it. series. I, you know, I definitely I, think it's
3: the right way. I think way to do it.
2: that was yeah.
1: Derrion's
3: approach all along: is use what he likes from the comics, right? And offshoots. It keeps everybody obviously on, on uh, the first writer, on their director
1: toes. with a very strong voice. Shawshank Redemption, The Green Mile, The Majestic, The Mist. Um,
3: it's kind of a bummer. He knows what, he's what he
1: likes gonna... and what he doesn't like when he's yeah. reading source material. Clearly, yeah, or but has uh, strong opinions yeah. on same.
2: But the deviations really occurred in the second season because the first was pretty close to uh Rick's on his own. He finds them, they survive, they get on the road. And second season went entirely differently. None of, of, the of the
3: CDC was in the comics, though, right? The CDC
2: wasn't, and and now it's especially the stuff with Herschel's firm and and the prison and and who we're gonna meet next. Yeah, the main bad guy right. kind of. Right. It's all out of order and people are alive when they shouldn't be. Uh, Dale isn't supposed to be dead for like another, maybe, if we're going by TV time, like year and a half, two years, a lot more shit happened to Dale. He got
3: together with Andrea, they were a couple. So just for context, where, where does every, where do you guys stand on season two from start to finish? Was it a win? Was it a lose? Was it a half and half? I go half and half. I did not love the beginning of it. I thought it was kind of slow, but the last Four to maybe five episodes were the best thing that shows done. Yeah, I thought yet. it got, re- from the point, yeah, the end of the first half of season two, the Sophia, the barn, that ending, As soon as Sophia That yes, was good. As soon as Sophia died,
2: it got, uh, as soon as we knew she was dead, yeah. it got awesome.
3: Right, I yeah. think. And it, got, they got, came it back entirely red. I up. cried. And they, and they came back, really? I cried when yeah,
2: Dale, I, I cried when Dale died. Wow, who's Dale again? Old guy who got his stomach fucking. You hate
3: down. you hate Dale,
2: Jack.
1: I, yeah, I really, I've never cared much for that you. character actor.
3: <laughs> Over dinner, I think a few weeks I ago, about I, that I got an earful of about five minutes long about how much Jack
2: hates he's in a lot the character of that guy of Dale. Too.
1: What's that? That character actor is a alive. Oh, he's worked. Yeah, he's Jeffrey worked since DeMont. forever. That yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 and Frank is Taramo. in the mist, right?
2: right yeah, totally. Oh, he's, as is he's uh, in uh, Andrea. Is. Andrea. Uh, blonde lady. Who was on
1: her own last night, right? In the woods.
2: Yeah. Who was the one that Michonne got, that the ninja saves. Yeah. She was the lady from the mist too.
1: She was in the
3: mist. She was in the majestic. She's, Ah, she's female lead and He he hires
2: like. She
1: married anybody famous?
3: I don't believe so. Huh. Okay. uh, I I cannot speculate. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but anyway, I thought that, yeah, it really picked up. And by the time you're doing the confrontation with Shane and, uh, and Rick, when they go to drop Little Randall off. I thought that was all strong and all the way up through Shane's death last week, I thought that last the last five minutes of last week's episode were amazing. amazing. Yeah. And and then pretty much fifty five minutes out of the sixty uh, minutes the of this last, last episode. episode I thought were ridiculous and awful. Really? Which, yes, which? this last episode, the fi- finale. Wow. Yeah. I thought it was so
2: Always chock meso full meso of
1: on the finale.
3: So chock full of dumb. Oh, I, I couldn't it. Couldn't believe
2: it. No, they ramped everything. They killed like fucking eight thousand walkers, dude. Like I don't, I don't know
3: which. Okay, well let's start right there. Okay, let's start at the beginning. How did the walkers get? We're gonna, we're we're gonna, as the creators and writers of the show, we're gonna go out of our way to explain something that probably didn't need to be explained anyway. But we're gonna explain how this giant herd of zombies end up targeting this farmhouse and they get there. And the way that they explained it. Was quite possibly the silliest thing I've ever seen. I don't get it still. I think I know what they're intimating. Yeah, Uh, which is which is we cut back to zombies eating a horse, which is probably Rick's horse. We see the helicopter. It's a flashback. And one of the zombies looks up as a helicopter flies overhead, Mm -hmm. and decides I'm going to follow that helicopter. The other six or seven zombies follow her. Cut to wide shots, panoramic out in the country all, as it's now grown to a hundred zombies that are all, you know, just sort of mm-hmm. herd mentality. Mm-hmm. Cut to nighttime, they're all in the woods and they hear the gunshot of mm-hmm. little Carl shooting and the, Shane zombie.
1: Right. they, do and they literally, all turn.
3: literally do a 90 degree right angle turn right. and come to the farmhouse. And it's, I, to me, that is just absurd.
1: Okay. To me totally down with that really me too totally down too. with that it felt like a red tide and it was interesting to because here here it is the season finale and what does it open with it opens with literally the walking dead a giant fucking herd of walking dead and i was i was cool with that it's just execution and it felt, it conceptually it felt i think it's fine do a
3: good job of it don't just show okay we're here we here why would they, why would they go after a helicopter anyway? Well, I think the cooler thing is whose helicopter was that? Well,
2: well it's, they, it's, it's hard Atlanta, to tell because Atlanta's they don't
1: date the, they don't date that shot. Okay,
2: so if it's eating the
3: horse and it's Rick's horse, which means we're like a month back maybe? That's a question I had. Did in the, I don't remember the pilot in days gone by when he comes into town. Doesn't he see a helicopter at some point <sighs> in the distance? I can't remember.
1: Can't remember either
3: can't remember either, so I was wondering if they were calling it back what to is, that. But
1: hmm. yeah. It
2: just felt underbaked. See, I didn't think, I didn't, uh, and I, I The real question is, like, did
1: they actually have to shoot that in Atlanta, or did they have that footage? I wonder. Ah, yeah,
2: good question. I like yeah. your take on it better, though, because not, I didn't think of the uh, time span. I Keith's thought that take. was real time. I didn't. I, put, I didn't put the horse together with the fact that those guys have been marching towards the farm the entire time since Rick left. That's kind yeah. of awesome. Which is I feel in like fact now I'm the op- hand of you like kids. it, it even like him even more. This dude. is perfect. Yeah, I've yeah. convinced
3: you that it's better than yeah. No, absolutely.
2: <laughs> I love that. The but fact that like maybe I'm there's
3: failing miserably and maybe at,
2: there's just the smell, the slightest smell of live human in the air that's driving them however many miles they need to. You know what I mean? And they yeah. didn't
3: encounter maybe encounter something else more interesting. What I, what else yeah. is there? Where, I mean, we have or maybe they did and we just didn't get to see that. Okay, so let's move on then. All right. Yep. They're at the house. We now know that there's somewhere between 100 five hundred zombies coming toward the house, right? Right. How long have they been in this farmhouse on in, in time for the show? Maybe they've been there for like, two months. Ah,
2: uh, I'll go less, little less than that. Probably. I'm not sure.
3: Six Could weeks, be. even. Yeah. What's the first thing you do when you get to that house if you're in that situation? You board, you reinforce that fence. What's, what's the thing we've ever been, we've always been taught from Night of the Living Dead on the first thing you do is you board up the house, you, you fortify your position, and hopefully you plan some sort of escape route. They've, they've never once addressed that for the entire season we've been at the farm.
2: No, but to their credit, they have never encountered, there's never been a herd this big. It was always manageable. Right. No no matter what kind of fortification they put, thousands of bodies slamming against, like we saw what happened to the fence. Anything would have broken down.
3: But you would have to figure that they'd assume at some point there could be as many as a dozen, a dozen zombies heading toward us. And we should at least, you know, fine. Don't, don't dig a giant moat or something, but at least maybe board up the house and, and at least have a scene where we discuss what we're going to do if we ever need to fall back out of this house. And we don't, so we don't do any of that, which is stupid, but where it gets stupid on top of stupid is they decide, well, let's go out and shoot some of them and we'll maybe try to drive, take out as many as we can and then we'll use a car to lure them away. A half-baked plan at best, and they don't even do a great job at that, but somehow they're all, you know, as you can see, everybody complaining back in any talk back everywhere is, it's amazing what great marksmen these people are. In moving cars, every single shot was a headshot. Right. Were you, were, uh,
2: my my friend, (laughs) were you, were you, it seems like every moment you question the logic and it ruins it for you are the moments where I'm just like, awesome, where, like, but what was right, awesome about right, that incri- Like, how could someone shoot a fucking zombie? This is what zombie? I do, is I,
1: I invite a guest, yeah. I pit it, I pit them against each other, and, and then I sit back. This no, is you're
2: health- right, this though, this dude, is but it's like, how could someone hang out of a moving car and successfully headshot zombies at fucking 50 miles an hour? Well,
1: practice makes perfect.
3: You know what? There's no way, but at the end of the day, I want to fucking see that happen.
2: It's a
1: zombie TV show. I want show. a zombie TV but, show. But isn't it just
3: as easy to do the exact same scene and not have every single shot? Be a successful headshot, and then they sort of figure out, you know what? We need to do something else. Wouldn't it make more yeah, sense it less if cool if you're driving the RV? Less cool though. See, that's the sense thing that keeps <laughs> fucking you up, as opposed to the cool thing that I'm all on. No, 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 it could have. It could have been cool, and it could have been a lot more cool if it were directed better. Because it just felt like the as an action sequence badly conceived? We're going to drive back and forth along this. fence.
2: I thought they were driving way too fast. That was the one comment I'll make in
1: that. I was a little surprised at the the way the the uh, Winnebago ended up. I thought they. <laughs> It, it was just it weird it they stopped. Also, like I've that. been
2: kind of obsessed with this show. Who the fuck was that guy? Exactly! Who got eaten in the Winnebago? You've gotta watch, you've gotta watch Jimmy know. die, Who's and then you've gotta watch
3: Beth die, who only who because Otis's I read enough wife, was Otis' wife. Which we see her like three times right,
2: this season. So the only yeah. reason
3: they've been, you know, showing up. Oh, is they
2: killed fodder this episode. Because their Who's name that? was on a
1: call sheet. What's up? Are you using the word "fodder"? Or
2: yeah, that like everyone name? they everyone they fodder. killed. In not the, no, fodder. <laughs> everyone they killed in this episode didn't matter. Right. right. They killed. They killed the characters to get rid of to make the show less complicated. Well, yeah, because less week they
1: Shane, and that's the. So there's just something, and kill.
3: again, it's not that I, I'm I'm a hater on the show. I love the show, and I watch it religiously every week. And like I said, what other previous, shows do you
1: watch religiously, by the way?
3: Uh pretty much any of those AMC shows. Breaking Bad is the Killing. Fantastic. The Killing. I. Pretty much that dude got cast
2: editor. as. Uh, we didn't you tell me that RoboCop, right? He yes, was in, he was in Dragon Tattoo. On did you know week, that?
1: Last week's podcast. He has a very small oh, role
3: in Dragon Tattoo.
1: Huh. That's out on DVD and Blu-ray tomorrow.
3: Blu-ray, get the Blu-ray because the Blu-ray is the only one that has the bonus features.
1: Heyo, oh standard DVD is wow, bare bones Honestly, and has who's nothing. Getting
3: standard DVD anyway has days. nothing. And if you if you get the, it does have an audio. It does have the audio commentary with Fincher. And
1: here's where I fuck you on this podcast. You ready? Don't you fuck me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what Eric Odom calls hooking the hip. I'm gonna hook the hip and then I'm gonna <laughs> push the back down. <laughs> okay. Are you gonna double dip on that title?
3: There's, you know what? There's no need to double dip on the title because Sony's very smart with it. The Blu ray is a three disc pack. Uh huh. Disc one, Blu ray of the movie with the audio commentary. Disc two, Blu ray of four hours of bonus material. Right. Disc three, standard def. Standard def of the movie. Right. As a very cool collectible, it basically looks like a DVDR with a handwritten, sharpie title. The girl with dragon tattoo.
2: As you a guys always do, it
1: always the computer. coolest packaging for these. Yeah,
3: Pryor gets in there.
2: On that the was pack. like the, F- was, sure. the, the Fight Club. Uh, was it the Marble Notebook?
1: Yeah, which is what. Or no, Memento
2: really had the Marble Notebook. Fight Club had the original Fight Club. I think had the brown wrapper. The brown right? wrapper. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. That was when they started. You're right. 98. And we
1: cannot underestimate the impact of that Fight Club DVD. No, that F- F- Club on was amazing, yeah. what dvds became in general you cannot yes. under, and you, you, cannot you have under, prior on Hillman? not underestimate but you can't understate the impact of that DVD. and also
2: but just now yeah. that i thought about it that memento one too that that spire that black and white marble notebook double yeah. disc memento was around the same time yeah that was when they started doing gorgeous packaging yeah, yeah. there
1: was a criterion style sort of yeah, um, yeah um, and if i can digress into one of my keith has heard this lecture i'll try and make it quick but in um Two minutes or less. The fascinating thing about that Fight Club DVD mm-hmm. is that uh, in the culture, that DVD, which was released, I think, back in what that window was, was a six-month window between basic, you know, the theatrical release and then the release of the title on right. DVD. What that DVD did, all those bonus features, the packaging, the presentation, the whole thing in total, what that DVD did for Fight Club was nothing short of reinvent that title which theatrically was a considered yeah. a disappointment on every level. I think it, it made was a, like, it was a 30 box million failure. Yeah. Yeah. Critically, nothing special. And by the way, like the hordes at Ain't It Cool, most of them had no interest in that fucking movie. And then six months later, mm-hmm. that DVD comes out and basically forces a, 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 a six month later reevaluation of that title. And then literally speaking of the walking dead and zombie hordes, you hear all these cattle start to moo. "Uh, Maybe we didn't get it six months ago. And (laughs) it's like, were (laughs) you drunk or, or high when you saw that? Yes, maybe not. But it's like, you saw that movie in a theater. It's the, it's the same fucking movie, but that DVD changed the perception of that movie from a, from a zero to a hero. And by the way, kids listening to this podcast, it took something like ten years, give or take, and and a uh, cover story on the Sunday L.A. Times magazine section by Ken Turan, reappraising Blade Runner, <laughs> to turn the fortunes of Blade Runner around, which was a similar critical commercial. Disappointment in 198 summer of 19 the famous summer of 1982 when it was released. Mm-hmm. It took ten fucking years and a and a Ken Turan cover story yeah to turn to turn that boat around into what it is now, which is an acknowledged masterpiece right. and a classic. It took six months and that DVD to turn Fight it was, Club. It
3: was ti- You have to. It also attribute some Culture of it to the timing. Culture speeds up. Bec- and also DVD was launching. Then. That's when DVD was happening. There's two right. titles at that point. Everyone, all of us were switching over, getting good TVs and getting these new DVD players. Right. And, and, and good we were starting systems to build in our your libraries. Yeah. And the two titles that everybody bought uh right around that time was The Matrix and right. Fight Club for their sort of reference dvds and the third title was starship troopers
1: starship troopers
3: kind of was i, I think starship that one troopers. might have come free with the dvd
1: player depending on how good the sound system you installed in your home was right. you would buy fucking starship troopers right. just to hear as it. the test yeah mine just was superman
2: it. the movie really for the for the intro yeah, yeah. interesting
1: uh, the the turning comic book pages and the, intro and, the, and, and that little score, John uh, sweet John Williams. That view. could,
3: but the, uh, the ramp up to the. Title. Do you remember when that got released? That had to have been later. It was a shitty single. It was a shitty shitty single
1: cardboard. Single cardboard nothing. Spine it was Warner yeah, Brothers. Warner Brothers, yeah? Home Brothers. Video. Yes, jobby. Yeah. I had tons oh, of those. Tons the, of those cheapest packaging. Things. The
3: first two years of DVD. Was Warner, that Warner took their entire library, their video masters. Even the
1: Matrix, by the way, son. Yeah, it was cardboard and just cardboard and just dumped them dumped out on DVD.
3: Features, though, I believe.
2: Even the the single disc Matrix cardboard had, had stuff, stuff, on stuff on it. it did have stuff on Featurettes, it. Featurettes, I think.
1: For sure.
3: Oh yeah, the first Matrix did.
1: For sure. And now it wasn't that great. By the way, stuff. if you want to know what the ultimate, depending on your love for the Matrix trilogy as a whole and as a whole rather, and your need to own the complete trilogy as opposed to maybe just the first film, which is, I think, maybe I, how I feel. I, I wish
2: did, I'd I'd wish I'd stopped the, it. The um, yes. the
1: ultimate set is the Japanese box set which comes with a uh, unbelievably detailed scale model of the hovercraft nebuchadnezzar
2: doesn't it come with the animatrix it's too
1: fucking amazing well yeah. everything comes with the animatrix the <laughs> yeah. domestic edition does oh really now they do they, they, uh-huh. the box that
3: right. they package it in yeah no, i they
1: came I, with a, a i had to buy it separately
3: <laughs> i will not acknowledge the second and third movie in that series
1: but you'll acknowledge that the first one is a masterpiece the first one and is game it, was, it
3: hasn't aged well, but it was at its time was a was a game changer, absolutely. How is it not aged well? It's just well, part of it's also poisoned by the second, what, or third what film. What came after? Um, but it's you know you watch it now and it's like it's a little it's a little overdone. It's a little ridiculously fashion heavy.
2: It's you that late nineties. I was just gonna say the only, yeah. it's that leather late nineties where, right. where everything
3: has to be really case, cool, and really badass, cool,
2: badass kind of thing. Yeah, yeah.
1: But do you feel yeah. like that's gone out of style? I
3: do. Yeah, a little bit. you really? Yeah. yeah. Thankfully. I think it's, it's kind of, it's like
2: watching Long, the Crow now. Long, highly ones.
1: reflective black trench coats.
3: Yeah. I mean, the fashion show, everything looking like an album cover. Yeah. It's, you know. Yeah. It hasn't gone entirely out of style.
1: The narrative, though, the screenplay is amazing for that movie. The yeah, book.
3: that first movie is incredible.
1: Yeah, the way they play around with what you know and yeah. what you don't know. It's pretty great. But
3: there has to be something better to talk about than The Matrix at this well, point. Well, Back to Walking Dead. Back to Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. All right. This so the last thing I'll say about it, my issues with
1: *The Walking Dead*, or specifically your issues with last
3: night's with season last finale. last night's episode. Well, this was this was definitely ties into the whole season. Is you okay. know the the wife character Lori. Is I just, oh my god. I I don't know how you possibly or why you would want to write. That character, basically all the female characters on that show, are so fucking unlikable. I will agree with you.
2: I want them to kill Lori. I, oh my god, I hope they kill Lori last night. My jaw, the most shocking yeah. moment to me when last night's episode was Lori's reaction to Rick's. And mood. that's proof. Yeah. That it was they like, have no idea what and I'm gonna story they're ladies telling. Ladies, don't be offended, but it was like, bitch, you literally put the fucking gun in his hand two weeks ago, yeah, and now you're gonna play it like that, totally. like, what and what was why? Your thing, Lady Macbeth. She, it's Lady Macbeth. Hey. Yes, yeah. I said that. This and now it's it's also him washing his hands. Now he's Macbeth, but like, yeah, she it, it, and comic book fans know that uh, if they were doing it true to the comic, we wouldn't have to wait much longer to be happy in that
1: front. Really? Lori gets off in the comic, yeah. Well, spoiler alert,
3: <laughs> but <laughs> and, if they go there, it's, because, and it's, because, because, it's not just Lori. No,
1: who All else right. is it? Let's just keep going. If it's if they do a straight. F- Unbelievably faithful adaptation the book of it. uh, book. It's
2: her and the baby. She, the gets, baby. she gets caught in the crossfire between, uh, when they go to the prison, we uh-huh. might find that it's already occupied, possibly. And by zombies not by the nice, or by, no, by no, another group. It by another be. group. Of course. It's, it's, it's the most it's, logical thing in the world, right? And the leader of that group is not a nice dude. And right. Lori and the baby get caught in some crossfire as Rick and Carl are fucking bailing. Huh.
1: Like well, they
2: leave her to die. Yeah.
1: Wow.
3: So just the inconsistencies of that character throughout this season are—it's—it's just, it's, it's makes like, me think they're going to kill her though because it,
2: they did the same thing
3: with Shane. Well, they're trying yeah, to build they can only make, a make her unlikable. But
2: Shane's arc was was very solid. I actually like—I actually liked Shane this season. Like, yeah. I was kind of upset that last
3: Shane episode because huh. I got him. You get Where's, where he's going, and that Lone Walker that you love, Jack. I mean that. Yeah. That's good character development. That Walker development was
1: awesome. There. Yeah. With this, you've and By got the way, Laurie's that Walker has no further meaning, right? No, he's just no. an awesome Walker. It's just I agree. He's alone. I agree. He's exactly. Alone, just a this, single. What a great American sort of Western image. Amazing. Yeah. So Somebody needs to do a painting of so that. So I
2: agree. I like, that's that the end of my bitch fest. I, I think they need to kill Laurie as soon as possible, but they won't knowing what's coming. But they might at the end of next. So like, we got to deal yeah. with Laurie for a
1: little bit. Uh, yeah.
2: Michonne that the character be. Who
1: was introduced in last night's season finale who With, shows up in a jedi uh robe and yeah she's hood. Just, she's
3: wearing a snood
1: you can't you can't <laughs> What is that? A snuggie? A
3: snood? I think it's kind of Snud. It's like a big, oversized hood. It's a Jedi thing. Oh, y- okay. you're right. It's those hoods you could buy separately. Yeah. I think they're yeah. like half hood cloaks. Uh.
1: Um, we don't even know. Uh, in fairness, you in don't show, even we know don't last know night.
3: You don't know who it
2: is. You don't know, you know, know that it's well,
1: female. It's a
3: frame right from the comic. You can tell it's a female because she has boobs.
2: Okay. I looked at that. It is a frame okay. right out of the comic. It's from the comic. She is holding
1: two zombies both of which are armless. And, and jawless. And apparently. jawless, and but you couldn't jawless. tell that right. with Hard the to color tell. timing. Hard to tell a little bit. By chains even. around there that lead to, to collars around their zombie necks.
3: With your experience with, with the comic, Matt,
1: what is... Spoiler, folks, I cannot urge you strongly enough to yeah. yeah. fucking it's, turn it off. Uh,
3: so, uh, all I can manage to get is... If uh, you don't want sh- Because she ruined. has these two zombies on a chain... The rest of the Walking Dead will ignore her. Smell. They're deter- It's a deterrent thing. It's just why having- did why could they not smell her? Why would- just because she's got their smell is so overpowering the other two zombies. But the other two back in season one with the guts episode, they cover themselves with guts. A little bit of rain comes on them, and the zombies immediately. I mean, smell it's, them.
2: A, it's also it, it's it's something. It's a it's, little it's, loose it's logic. Timid, it's a weird loose logic. It's an intimidation thing because right. they see that those zombies are chained to her. It's a matter that she kind of goes incognito, but right. that's the rationale. Is, is that- her
3: being covered up part of it too? No, she gets, she gets pretty uncovered up. Okay. And that
2: was just her well, first survival the, attack. Do you know who the zombies What's it like when she are?
1: runs? What's what's it like when the three of them have to run together? She doesn't much at that point. That Which,
3: no. I mean, so Pat decides to Not with that, not with that a fucking walking. katana. Yeah.
1: yeah. She's a good fighter. Yeah.
3: So what it means is the show definitely now is going to another they're level.
2: They're going to the action. But, and this is all going back to the comics, but they're, yes, they're going or to the won't. action level because we'll me. See. Me is involved now. However, the prison is a real political kind of slowdown thing yeah. again. So, and the it's governor, going to be a mix. And the, the governor... governor's not
3: at the prison; he's at the other town. Yes, but complex.
2: I don't know what they're doing because originally they had to go back to the farm before the governor did happen. So they now the condense, the governor, they may condense I'm it. I'm pretty it sure put... they're consolidating everything. You
3: know who's playing the governor?
2: They cast it as a British. It's a British. David guy.
3: Morrissey, who was the lead in Basic Instinct two. Oh, that's who it is. No relation. Now, releasing no the other thing
2: about uh, the Michonne character is that whoever was playing her last night isn't the actress, which I love.
1: Really? Oh, really? It was just
2: a random body double because they just cast the girl and announced it last night.
1: Oh, that's interesting. So, mm. uh, mm-hmm. Huh.
2: I dig it, man. What else?
1: Back in the fall. That's been We're good. Back in the
2: fall. We
3: got. Uh, Did you watch those Prometheus trailers?
2: I do. Oh, my God. That's what I want to talk about. That I, I read *Hunger stop Games*. Stop watching *Prometheus*. I read the trilogy. *Hunger Games* trilogy and I really enjoyed it. That was one thing I wanted. All three
1: books. All three books, fucking awesome. Or even the third book.
2: Less than the first two, like Mockingjay. everyone else said. Well, but, it's just
1: so many people I've spoken with who have read all three really felt like the third book fell apart. Eh,
2: it wasn't as what isn't as strong as the first. <laughs> the Third two. book is Mockingjay. Mockingjay. Right? J, the second yeah, yeah. book is Catching Fire. The Catching first Fire. Book first, The Hunger Games. The Hunger Games. Uh, I, can't the movie, uh, I can't wait for the fucking movie. I'll tell you
3: that much.
1: Do you have your tickets already? No, but it got me. Ex- oh no, it's one of those. I go
2: it mad. Is one I of go mad. Hate to break it to your brother. I Ma- go like eleven the
3: next day. My guy. version of that is uh-huh. I finally come around to the point that. Well, I'll see the movie. It looks interesting enough that I'll see. I didn't care about it two weeks ago, so I, yeah. I just got hooked in the last. I mic. had a real issue with that first trailer and how was good. Everybody looks, but the, the, le- the design of it is so silly. It seems well, to the me. design the
1: the char- of the, the character th- name, future city dwellers, and is, they're all is Lady Gaga
3: basically. But they're, it's in the book. It's, I mean, it's, <laughs> but that that <laughs> bullshit. <it's
1: a> contrast. <laughs> they've been <extreme laughs> saying that with the
3: Twilight films for years. So if it's it's in the book, and since it's in the book, you have to do it that way. I don't, I don't believe that.
1: Well, number one, let's just say that is not true. Right. That's just, that's an excuse that people use to wrap around themselves like a blanket while they're shoving their thumb in their mouth. Right. That's literally, and nobody does that. There are deviations, and there'll totally. be deviations in The Hunger but with Games. A, with Friday, a fan base built in, in every Twilight you either movie.
3: need to do something close enough to what's in the book, you want to appeal, or, or you or need to make it better. You
2: want to appeal to the core. Yeah. You, want, you don't want to, I mean, the even though it's silly, like the colored faces and the eyebrows and shit is kind of a biggish element. It's the aesthetic yeah. style that the universe sets right. up. So to take right. that away would right. offend but the fan yeah. base. It, it may that work. Said,
1: in the movie. You it can may take issue with, and, and you know, how many tweets or talkbacks have I read since, you know, I moved into my apartment in Twilight Land where people are comparing Rob Pattinson as Edward Cullen's hairstyle across the four movies. It's, it's like, why can't they have his hair look the way that it did in Catherine Hardwick's first film? It looks so much cooler there. Right. No, 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 his hair never looked better than it did in Eclipse, et cetera, et cetera. The point is, <laughs> something can be important in the novel, something can be very important to the core fan base, and that that something, whatever it is, must be very, very seriously considered when deviating from that something or before deviating from that something. But the other the other thing is this is movies and it's about execution. Totally. So literally it's like um in the case of Breaking Dawn Part One, it's like if they were they were gonna hew closely to the novel, the wedding would have taken place inside. Bill felt like felt like there was already so much action in the third act of that of part one that would be inside the Cullen house, that it's like we need to be outside when we can be outside. And also, geez, you know, the design possibilities of an outdoor wedding are exponentially greater visually. What you can take issue with, I think, is the execution of what these characters appear to look like in the first Hunger Games movie. And until we see them moving around, it's hard to tell. You're just judging stills and clips from TV spots and trailers. Right. But it's all in the execution, you know. I mean, I'll tell you what. um, Based on, I think, the formal trailer, the formal theatrical trailer for Hunger Games. two-minute
2: something one. Yeah, the last one. Yeah, the 2.30,
1: standard running time for a trailer, two minutes and 30 seconds. um, The one shot that you have of the capital city, which is called?
2: Panthea. Panem. Panem. Panam, excuse me. Panam. Panam. I think
3: it's Panera, actually.
1: Panera bread. Panera bread. Panamino. Um, which you see the city in the background and you see a high speed train arcing around, wipe, sort of going left to right through the frame and stuff. And it made me wonder looking at that shot, if that shot is going to be longer in the movie and if we're going to have a really, we're going to have a series of nice long looks at that city or whether the shot is going to be short. I think sh- you will. Short.
3: I think, I mean, Gary Gary. But until Ross. you
1: can look, because so far, I mean, we haven't even seen the arena. No. Right. So it's like until you see this stuff, once you come out, right. it's perfectly le- legitimate to bitch about stuff that you, you didn't like. I mean, as regards Steven Spielberg's Hook, I love and adore the design for Captain Hook's pirate ship. But then, when we start to get into the looks of Neverland or the Never Tree or whatever, I can drill down. And same with any of the prequel trilogy, yeah. Star Wars movies. There's all there's. It's stuff that I like, stuff that I love, and stuff that I loathe, all bumping yeah. right up against each other, you know.
3: And with Hunger Games, in all fairness, it is a case where you know once you're over, you've seen very little. dirty you you may not have the patience that you would or. The excitement about something. I mean, if I was 15 and seeing that Hunger Games trailer, I'd yeah. probably be way into it and way yeah. into the design and yeah. how you know. However, the, that's
1: because you've never seen. Because if you were 15 right now, you'd have never seen Demolition Man. Right. <laughs> the, <laughs> or other gems we from know the how, 80s that are how less facial, remembered. Facial Speaking of
2: trailers, 30 year olds can enjoy though. Oh my fucking god, that Prometheus. last Prometheus spot yeah. is. I want Which to see one? that. Which one? The
1: international.
2: The, no, the domestic, the, the domestic quick better. time, like I the can't domestic. Even keep
1: up with them all. They're like vomiting out. I want to see, gates. I want to
2: see that more than any film on the planet now. It looks oh, officially really good. It looks yeah, incredible. The agree. one with Fastbender ending it with a uh, small, great, big things happen from small beginnings. That entire three minute one that yeah. aired yesterday, the late night one that dropped.
1: I can't even. There's, it's there's like three. At this point, honestly, I'm going to stop.
3: There's three watching of them. them. It's the last one Friday now. was the IMAX yes. thing, which was a minute long or so. Then the domestic two and a half minute trailer, which is really pretty action-packed. In the International, the first half of it's kind of pretty slow in building. Folks, this
1: is Ridley Scott's Prometheus, which is the prequel to his... Uh, classic movie Alien someone, prequel, sort someone, of. Someone tweeted. Someone tweeted me. Yeah, chronologically, it's a prequel. Someone, be, by the way, we're going back to the so-called yeah. derelict spaceship. It's yeah, it's so it's like come I, on. I,
3: you know what this? The, why why they don't say it's a prequel? That's this is leftover residual J.J. Abrams hey. type bullshit of Damon Lindelof. You know, worked on Lost. This is this is what they they figured and out and wrote Prometheus. It's probably really smart. This the Alien franchise has been so sullied. By the shit they've pumped out over the last several years with those AVP movies, right? That you can't, you couldn't do a new Alien movie. It just occurred to me that there are people who
2: don't know this is an Alien film. Well, yeah, yeah there's it's yeah. not it's in the not, title. It's not, it's not in the title. They don't. The imagery right. is see. There's some close-ish stuff, xenomorphy-looking. Once you see
1: that ship, the horseshoe-shaped HR yeah. Giger-designed. So-called derelict spaceship, which is what it was was referred to back in 1978. Mm
3: Is that for the first film? 79, 79 or 78? I feel like it was 79. Halloween was 78.
1: Anyway, once you see that signature ship, which is uh, appears in Prometheus, standing vertically, as opposed to what we're used to from the original film, which is resting on the on the. uh,
3: It's a prequel, but you you can't. But it's smart to not. LV426. Do we see a a facehugger in the second film?
2: Is that what's going on in that mask in that, thing? In that, uh, in the, in the like, na- suit? bed or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. I, can, I don't know. I looked, I looked like, I mean, I definitely, yeah. th- so, but people have been tweeting me like, hey man, he can't fool anyone. Well, one, one, one thing you saw a uh, space jockey. Yeah. Yeah, the, he definitely saw
1: last. a space Flat jockey out, and yeah. you
3: keep seeing either that space jockey walking around but you see a couple of shots of somebody's legs that are very
1: biomechanoid looking and, the space jockeys are going to walk around yeah. Wait,
2: don't we see that isn't the first shot of that guy with this pulsating skin kind of thing i, don't I feel know. like there's, there's something there the where alien, they, or they or get was, infected
3: with the tiny things in the yeah. very first script review i ever read by john john spates wrote the first screenplay who is he he's he's a guy that the only reason i knew who he was at the time was he wrote a spec called passengers it okay. was really really good a sci-fi right. thing about the sort of long term trip to Jupiter or somewhere and okay. a character that Did they make accidentally that? wakes up out of uh out of hibernation and he's the only one awake and he's alone on this giant essentially space cruise ship. Did they make that movie? It has not been made. Keanu Reeves was attached to it last I heard, but okay. it's long in development. But it's the thing that put, I think, Spates on the map as a screenwriter and he uh bounced around on a few things and he wrote a crazy draft for an alien prequel in which the aliens were tiny little creatures. Basically, not
1: quite um
3: like little bugs, essentially, but essentially the the alien creatures by the design that we're familiar with from the other films, just literally shrunken down to tiny little things, two or and two it, inches in height. And it feels like that is definitely carried over into this version of the film because you there's lots of stuff in that trailer where, you know, what they're finding in those little pods is some some kind of goo with these tiny little things, and you keep seeing the black uh, blood racing through veins, and the dude, you know, with the little thing in his eyeball starting to crawl around. Huh. So they're doing something interesting there and in the idea of huh. a much earlier version of uh, or another variation on what
1: correct those a variation are. not based on a mm-hmm. variation of the classic alien not based on a human host
3: and i think what it'll probably end up with I, who knows it's all speculation is it'll end up you know folding nicely into what the design of the alien creature is by the end of this by the end of prometheus you will see something that's it if not the definitive alien shape you or silhouette, you'll see something that is, you'll make the connection that, oh, that's where that's going.
1: An erect penis.
3: An erect penis, yes. Which
1: much like, watch this connection, much like Relax by Frankie Goes to Hollywood, it took me, even as a, as a uh, young pre-adolescent homosexual, it took me some time to actually figure out that that's what I was looking at on the alien head. Because I was like 11. Yeah. Um, you know when fun? that movie came out, I never understood when I was looking at that creature design. Which you know it must be noted, I was obsessed with. Yeah,
3: yeah I was going to say, you know, <laughs> what's, what's strange about that is basically the same age as you, Jack, a little bit younger maybe, but what I saw. And there's when all I, sorts
1: of vagina in that I movie. too. When I saw that too. movie, I was like,
3: look at those things they're walking into on the side of the spaceship. Those the are the. These derelict vaginas.
1: spaceship are vaginas. When they flip open that. H.R. Deeger. The bottom side of that face It's hugger. a vagina. It's a vagina. Yeah. Oh, H.R. Giger is an equal so, equal we, opportunity Uh We all see what we want to see. Artist. I mean,
2: he's German, so you would expect that.
1: No, I think he's actually Swiss. Really? He's Swiss. I think oh, wow. so, yeah. Swiss That's Miss.
2: Right. threw me off with a weird name. Yeah, yes. German. Yeah, Giger. A lot yeah. of, like, dark and black stuff. And
1: yeah. Like, very German. Um. That's true. But, yeah, relax. Don't do it when you want to come. I had no idea what I that meant. I didn't know until
2: you just said that right now.
1: You're I kidding. I didn't know that
2: was a sexual song at all. I swear to God. I, I knew what it was because You're kidding. I remember seeing it in oh, Body nice. Double. Don't
3: do
1: it. And if it's in a Brian De Palma movie of that period, then it's <laughs> definitely a and They about basically stopped
3: the movie for a full-on supposed porn shoot that's essentially a music video for some reason. Right. And uh, yeah, you get to watch um, Craig, Craig Watson.
1: Craig Watson. And, uh, Where are you, Craig Watson?
3: And what's her name? Something wild. Oh, I'm blanking. Oh, yeah. Tippi Hedren's daughter, you know. Uh, famous actress.
1: Yep. Yeah.
3: Anyway. Oh, 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 uh, Melanie Griffith. <laughs> Melanie Griffith. Melanie Griffith. Yes. Yes. Melanie Griffith, <laughs> yeah. Not a good movie, Body Double. No. But we'll leave it at that.
1: Let's ask Bill Connon about that. He loves that period of De Palma. Really? All of it. Yeah, yeah, if we got him on this show, which will never ever yeah, happen, right? He could do four hours uninterrupted on on the ferry. early De Palma for sure, right? Yeah, and for me, the most successful, the classic De Palma movie is *The Untouchables*, which is the least De Palma, De least personal. Yeah. It's very hired. You know, yeah. he took that job directing that movie, script yeah. by David Mamet, for Paramount.
3: Carrie's still pretty great. Is Carrie, it? Carrie, I think, was I like Carrie. Did he do Snake Eyes? Well. He yep. did do Snake,
1: like snake Eyes. Show I like. did. I like Snake Eyes. Never saw that. Oof. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's better than eight millimeter. A Oof. lot of things oh, are better than eight mm Are we are gonna parse
1: Nicolas Cage movies now? No,
2: those those both came out like I feel like within months of each other, and they were they both did. semi-dark, like
1: yeah. you know yeah. what I mean. One yep. was snuff film, one was like
2: eight the millimeter. World of was a
3: fantastic script. Was it? It was Andrew a Kevin really good, really good script by Andrew Kevin Walker. Short and Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, it was like a year or two after Seven, and it was. Just a great, really dread filled script, depressing right. as hell. Right. And, uh, none of that made it into that movie.
1: Hey, while we're bumping along in trailer land, um, who's seen the trailer for Dark Shadows?
3: Oh, I, I, I did saw not that. watch
2: it. I did see Frankenweenie, though.
1: Which is, by the way, the, the, uh, title character design. It's family dog. Yeah, yeah. In three dimensions. Exactly. It's Family Dog. Yeah. yeah. Which, uh, by the way, all the characters of F- in Family Dog were designed by Tim Burton. So he, I guess he kind of gets, directed he kinda by kinda Brad gets Bird.
2: to do it. But huh. it's, yeah,
1: it's, he just went back and he was like, yeah, I'll be taking Family Dog as well. In addition to remaking on a very large scale my CalArts student film <laughs> yeah. or whatever, right. Frank and Weenie, yeah. I'll, I'll just be taking Family Dog as well. Yeah, that was good, I
3: did, though. I didn't watch that trailer. I watched Dark yeah. Shadows, though.
1: Yeah. I don't
2: even know what that is. People yeah. kept, started mentioning it two days ago, and I had never Dark even heard of it. Dark Shadows was, in was a primetime
1: network time. soap opera. Yeah, um, starring the vampire Barnabas Collins. A really low budget schlocky by Dan drama. Curtis, a guy named Dan Curtis, Dan, and um, same Dan
3: Curtis' like trilogy of terror, early seventies. We're talking here,
1: and Burnt Offerings. All right, yeah, and uh, Little Billy that. Condon used to run home from. Whatever, school or college or yeah. whatnot, to watch that in Peyton Place. And um <laughs> Right. Uh and it was
3: essentially okay. a very straight
1: sort of Vampires ghosts, werewolves. With vampires and on primetime network television. Right. Yep. Um and what they've made of it is. Well, <laughs> it's been in been kicking around for a while and then Johnny Depp landed on it sort of
2: as a film or tv yes, show yes as
1: a film film um, there have been revivals of dark shadows on television with different different actors playing uh, barnabas collins um but basically a few years back um trivially speaking i will disclose that uh, bill was interested in developing and that. writing and directing a feature version of dark shadows and we actually i said something to an agent about it and they did a little due diligence it was at that point it it had already been sort of the rights had already um landed at Warner and the agent came back and said oh Johnny Depp is uh Johnny has landed on it and he's already talked to Tim Burton about directing of course the latest right Burton Depp collaboration and um and just so that like was that was more the of than the, hilariously of the same. And ironically twilight comes a in uh, a year or more later but um so Depp land Depp does land on it um takes it to Burton Burton is of the same generation as Bill knows the property and um they made what they made which looks like a very very broad comedy they made um, an Adams family movie which looks to have right? little or nothing to do with the source material Johnny Depp is in it as yes. the vampire
2: how did I not hear that this was in production?
1: Well, let alone that they've been pretty quiet for some reason yeah, about this, and it's, it's a, a it. summer title. And he wears It's a Tim Burton summer like movie from Warner fit. Brothers. Can you uh, believe it? Oh, is it like a fucking Mad
3: Hatter, Johnny Depp? It's Mad Hatter. It's
1: It's hard to describe Sweeney the look Todd. of it's his a, vampire. It's
2: another one of those
1: oh, no. of his variations.
2: going to be stupid makeup. It's very kind of Nosferatu-ish. Um,
1: yeah,
2: probably right. But I great. don't know
1: how it's going to be. But I would say, um. Somebody I watched the trailer with turned to me and said, two words." He said, "Okay, two words." Mars Attacks. Yeah, very, very broad. I usual like him. lavish Tim Burton production values, but
2: I like Mars Attacks. That was before yeah, he, I mean, he fucking lost his mind. It's it, I have a soft spot mind. for Mars Attacks, but it's certainly I mean Burton no made what film? eight bad movies in a row. When was the last? Do Tim you Bur- believe that? I honestly, the last Tim Burton film I enjoyed was
1: Parts of Big Fish.
2: Really? Yeah. I'm I'm huh. so anti Tim Burton.
1: We'll name the bad ones in your opinion.
2: Alice in Wonderland, Willy Wonka, fucking uh, Sleepy Hollow, uh, whatever else he's done yeah. since since I,
1: Big Fish. I, I have to say I'm
3: largely in agreement there. Interesting. Not a Tim Burton.
2: Fan. Alice in Wonderland being the worst. That being almost the
3: final draw.
1: And of, people like, told Alice and me like, people convinced me to watch that. Movies. So did what people
3: did to me saying it was no. This one's actually really good. And I I made it about twenty minutes in and had to turn it off. I just
2: couldn't. It's stand actually it.
1: not really Alice in Wonderland person. No. Say in the same way that, for instance, PJ Hogan's Peter Pan right. is in fact Peter Pan. This is like a this is a sequel, isn't <clears throat> it's, it? It's a fucking yeah, nothing. So. It, it marketed itself under the the title of the original.
2: It was, but like, it is a
1: sequel, isn't it?
2: Only because she had been there before and she forgot about it, but then she remembers, and it has no fucking bearing on the movie whatsoever. It's really? only a sequel for no reason.
1: And to what do you? Did attribute you not see the, it? No. Oh. To what do you attribute the fact that it's one of the highest-grossing movies in recent? Sticky and Man? by Johnny, the way, Johnny, Johnny by Man the Man? way, Alice in Wonderland, and those grosses, both here and around the world, are single-handedly responsible, single-grossedly responsible for Catherine Hardwick's Red Riding Hood, Brian Singer's Jack the Giant Killer. Well, everything. Um. But for this this whole run uh Snow White, Snow White the Huntsman, Huntsman Mirror, the t- all the T V Mirror, shows Mirror, Mirror, Grim fucking Ever After, time, whatever. All of it it all comes from yeah. not just Alice in Wonderland from the unbelievable business success of Alice in Wonderland.
2: But Alice in Wonderland was almost a sequel to the same thing he did with Willy Wonka, as I'm going to take a beloved property and just inject some fucking Tim Burton into it and Uh and plop it out there and put Johnny Depp in makeup. And it makes fucking a billion dollars. And families will show
3: up. That's why Verbinski... It's a a happy meal. Verbinski
2: was smart to fucking put him in fucking white makeup for for Zorro, because that's apparently all it takes to make a quadrillion dollars. Yeah. Johnny we'll Depp
3: see. in weird fucking makeup. We'll you see. mean uh, Lone Ranger? I'm Lone Ranger, not yeah. Zorro.
1: I wish it was. Zorro. Where Johnny Zorro. Depp is playing Tonto for the Uninitiated
3: with a bird on his head.
1: Yeah. <gasps>
2: <sighs> However, <laughs> if we're going with the Johnny Depp director team-ups, I've like I I like the Verbinski Depp thing. I like Rango. I liked uh the first two Pirates.
1: The first two, not the third. Not the third, which was Rob third? Marshall? No, I Rob did- was Rob was the, was the fourth.
2: Rob fourth. was the third, right? You're right, fourth. Yeah, You're Gore right. Verbinski directed they the initial trilogy. Oh, Verbinski did, did, okay, yeah, did the, the third. Okay, I hated the third. I hated the third. I hated the third. Didn't even bother with the fourth
3: because I hated the third
1: right.
2: so
3: much. Right.
1: Exactly. Right. Huh?
3: See, we're on the same page with a lot of yeah, stuff. We got it, man. Sorry. Right. <laughs> 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 I might nitpick the shit out of uh, Walking Dead's
1: finale, but that's okay. That's okay. You can come back anytime, Keith Clark. It was fun, man. We're at the end of our hour. Keith is not on Twitter, so we don't have to do that. Team Jack is on Facebook. Look for Kyle Cummings illustration. We are also on Twitter as Team underscore Jack and Jack underscore M-O-R-R-I-S-S-E-Y. Matt Cohen on Twitter as at Camel Toad. Camel like the cigarettes. Toad like your first girlfriend in middle school. She oh was a my. fucking toad. She was a
2: fucking toad, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. so that's how I came up with the nickname. Ribbit, ribbit. It was like I smoked camels and I used to fuck ugly chicks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> On that note, episode twenty-four, we still don't have a we still don't have a title. Oh no, here we go. Camel toad. All right, Camel toad. there it is. Okay, boom. I can remember that one. Okay, out.